0: All right, so we're, we're, uh, we've been talking about God's breadcrumbs, so we want to get into that message uh, right now. And let's go to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. This particular passage is, uh, it's in a, of course, it's in a few of the Gospels, but we'll just hit it in this particular area. And we'll um, start here, verse 21. So this is probably the, the, the more simpler version of it. It's a lot more details in a couple of the gospels. But verse 21, it says, From the time from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. So basically he's laying out what's gonna happen. He's, he's giving them advanced information. Now the advanced information that he's given them, most of it doesn't um, uh, make them feel great because he's talking about uh, suffering many things of the people that they revered at one time, the elders, chief priests the scribes. Then he talked about being killed, but that wasn't a highlight of his conversation. His highlight of the conversation was He's going to be raised again. So it's hard for them. And this is great. It's hard for us too. Like when we hear advanced information within some of the process is the end result. And it's hard for us to lock in on the end result because the process is so scary sometimes. So we get intimidated by the process. And you can see the response here, verse 22, then Peter took him. And began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord. This shall not be unto thee. Now, he was telling them what's not going to happen is is he was probably focusing on the elders and being killed. He wasn't focusing on Jesus being raised on the third day. And he wasn't focusing on the fact that Jesus needed to do it for all of us. Verse 23. But he turned and said unto Peter, that's Jesus turned and said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, thou art a, art an offense unto me, for thou savoreth not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. And so when we talk about these breadcrumbs, most of the breadcrumbs that are being laid out, as you can see, we have some breadcrumbs laid out for us today, uh, Uh, most of the breadcrumbs that's being laid out, you probably can't see it on the camera, but they're from here all the way down the aisle. But most of the uh, things that are being laid out for us is basically things to come. You know, so we're at a certain particular place, but God is laying out breadcrumbs. So that particular day, he was telling them what's going to happen with the elders. He was letting them know he was going to be killed. He was letting them know he was going to be raised on the third day. And Peter shook him, almost like, get, you know, what's wrong with you? Let, let, the, let this not come to pass. But see, there was something on the other side of even uh, Jesus being resurrected, him being resurrected on the third day. So, so, again, but you had to get to that third day to see the next breadcrumb. So, let's say if the, if the third day was here, it wasn't over. There still was something more there, but you had to at least get to this place. And so uh, Peter, who was, lo- who, who was locked into the things of the world, my wife was sharing something with me. She was like, she said, you know what's so tough is as Christians, she watch how sometimes uh, Christians are, have a tendency to let that old man, or this is the way I phrased it, but have a voice. You know, you got the old man and the new man, so you're going down this path, and you really want that new man, you know, because that new man has the lenses to recognize the breadcrumbs, to see the path that you're supposed to be going in, but the old man is always tempted to be looking to the left, looking to the right, considering other things that are off the, that, that narrow way, of that path. And it, 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 it steals something called faith. We was talking about that, like, because it, to stay, to stay on path, it takes faith because there's, the adversary is always going to be sending things to tempt us and to get off path. It's, just, it's, it's, it's his nature. You know, try to pull us from the, uh, the nourishment of, of, the, of God's breadcrumbs and to get caught up in the delicacies of the world. And so we have to watch that. Uh, because the thing is, I, I've learned this in life, you don't miss what you haven't had. So, so if everything is leading us down there to fulfillment, and you get pulled off over here and you get caught up over here, well, you're not missing what's down there because you haven't had it yet. And as far as you're concerned, did it really exist? Right? And so, so that's, that's his hope that he gets you so, as, as we, you know, we told you how the messages connect, he gets you so caught up in keeping up that you lose sight of the breadcrumbs. Right? And you know, that's uh, what we talked about in Sunday's message. Let's go over here to Second Samuel and see if we can walk through God's word and, and see how he operates here. Because you can see all through the scripture is really God's breadcrumbs. So Second Samuel 7, well, we'll start here at verse 1. I know we, we referenced some of this... Uh, um, In uh, on Sunday, but we're gonna do it a little different. All right. So, verse one, it says, "And it came to pass when the king sat in his house." Uh, Hey, sir, could you? Yeah, just a little. Thank you. A little bit more. A little bit more. Thank you. All right. So it says, "And it came to pass when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies." That the king said unto Nathan the prophet, see now, I dwell in the house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains, you know, in the tabernacle. And Nathan said to the king, go do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. So you have here this leader who's re- who just step back and recognize it. Man, I'm blessed. God has really blessed me. But man, I'm blessed. And look, I'm, I'm rolling but look, God's tabernacle, which, rep- or God, which represents God's presence, well, I'm saying God's presence or the Ark of the Covenant and everything. Look, God is dwelling in cur- behind curtains. I mean, they're very expensive curtains if you go study it out. You know, the silver, I mean, uh, the purple and the red and, you know, it wasn't. But he was like, man, I, I'm going to build God a house. And so a servant, which would make sense, been following David, he goes, hey, man, hey, man, do us all this all in your heart, man. <laughs> Everything you touch turns to gold. You're blessed. Let's drop down here to verse 9. Verse 9, it says, and I was with thee. Uh, well, well, we'll start at verse 8. I'm sorry. Uh, it says, uh, so this is God showing up and speaking. He says, now, therefore, so sh- so shalt thou say unto my servant David, thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheepcote from following the sheep, to be a rule over my people over Israel. And I was with thee, whithersoever thou wentest, and have cut off all thy enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name, like unto the name of the great men that are in the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place. This is key. I, moreover, I will appoint a place for my people. So now, David says he's going to build God's house. I skipped through some scriptures, but God says, no, I'm straight. I don't need a house. But he says, hey, make sure, Nathan, you, you make David aware that I blessed him. I've made him great. But not only that, I will, verse 10, I will appoint a place for my people of Israel and will plant them and they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more, neither sell the children of wickedness afflict them anymore as before time, right? It says, and as since the time that I command judges to be over my people Israel and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee a house. And I ain't saying, David, I'm gonna I'm build you a house. He says, when thy days be fulfilled and thou, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which we knew was Solomon, right? which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish my kingdom. And look at this, verse 13, he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now, we don't have time to go through why God didn't let him build the house and went to Solomon. But, you know, David was a man of war, and Solomon was in a, in a culture of peace, right? And so, so the reality here is, is there's a way that seemed right to David and his servant, but God had a, a, a more accurate plan. So here, they're going down a particular path following God's plan. David has an idea that was gonna take him off course. God gave him, showed up and gave him the wisdom what what he was supposed to do because it wasn't... See, these steps, as much as they're about us, they're about others. And David's life wasn't just about him being great. it was about creating a, an atmosphere and a lead for others to be great. So remember, he says, "My people, uh, they're going to find it, they're going to find a place, they're going to be planted, they're not going to move." And he basically was going to bless them there. God has been doing that for a long time. If you notice, even as we grow to, in 2020, people all over the place, soon as they get uncomfortable, as soon as things rub them the wrong way. They, they just bounce all over the place. They, they haven't learned the value of being planted. Um, you know, my wife says something else when was driving, I think, coming here. She was like, she said, uh, uh, if I could say this the right way, you could just turn it off. Uh, she said, uh, she says, well, honey, we, we've been in this walk and growing in the kingdom for a long time. So I was like, well, that's true. I said, the reality is we're 58 years old. And I said, you know, there's people that we're, that are growing with us that are young, you know, some of them in their thirties, some of them in their forties, but you know, some people 36, 38 or whatever, we're 20 years older than them people. Like, and so I told her, I said, think about it. Now the interesting thing is, but that doesn't mean it took us 58 years to be locked into God because I was hired to work for the church when I was, we were five years into our marriage. So I was 36 when I got hired to work for the church. Um, so, so now I wasn't getting hired because I was, obviously I wasn't in compromise. I had decided to be locked in. Once I decided to commit to God, I wasn't turning around. When I met her, she t- she'll tell you, uh, I, I wasn't playing around in the word. I was like, I had already lived that life in a world to extreme. And so, Again, to, to stay locked in, because I thought what, what stood out for me when my wife was talking, she was like, she says, you know, it's just that we all have to be consistent in, I think I think you said, use the word consistency. We have to be consistent in the things of God. Like, we want things from God, but we, we sometimes waver in rolling with God. Like, we're in and out with God. We're consistent one day, or, you know, some, some of us have been consistent for... It, to me, this is hard. If you're consistent for four or five months, and then you don't want to be consistent no more. Like, like you way beyond the 21 days to develop a habit and everything else. Like, you know, just stay locked in. Get, get all of it, right? And I think that's what God is trying to get us to do. He has uh, some wonderful things for us. But we got to lock into God's will. We got to stay on his path. We got to follow the breadcrumbs. Let's go to John 5. John 5. Because the answers is in our, our staying locked in and, and getting our daily bread. So this is da- daily bread. So I wake up in the morning and I consume my daily bread, right? So I, I get this daily bread. But, and this is all I need to, to, to do what I need to do. But, but I'm, not, I'm not trying to rush ahead and gather all the breadcrumbs. I'm getting my daily bread. And I get my daily bread, and then tomorrow I wake up and I come back and I get my daily bread. I wake up, I get my daily bread. I wake up and I get my daily bread. So I live a life where I, every day I wake up and I get my daily bread. Not I, I, I take time off and get my daily bread because it could throw me off course and I cannot get what I need. Or I can get stuck in a place, right? So we get to a place where let's say we don't, we get pulled away. We turn away from the things of God to idols. The scripture says turn from idols to God, but we turn from God to idols. Well, we're, we're, we're in this uh, Sunday's message, caught up in keeping up. We're consuming these delicacies or these pleasures or what have you, but guess what? We're not moving down our path to fulfillment. And, and out here, we're getting more and more hungry and thirsty because this nourishment is not designed to quench our thirst. This nourishment is designed to create thirst. Right, And so, 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 uh, so it creates thirst. I get more thirsty. And it tells me, oh, you, need, you just need more. Right? So then I take in more. It creates more thirst. So it says, oh, no, you just need more, more, more than that. Uh, when I used to, in, in, uh, back in the, uh, the BC days when I got high, I used to call drugs more. Like I tell my boys, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, this, ain't, this ain't whatever, coke or whatever. This is more. It's like more? I said, yeah, because the more you do it, the more you want it. Like, it's just, it's, it's, your body develops an immunity to it, and, and what got you high can't get you high no more. So now you just keep getting more. Even, even if you, you know, uh, I used to tell you a story on a hot day, you drink a beer. Beer don't quench your thirst. It creates thirst. It dehydrates you. Coca-Cola don't quench your thirst. Or, or cola is, is probably a better way to put it. But it don't, soda pop don't quench your thirst. It, it dehydrates you. Coffee don't quench your thirst. It dehydrates you. It creates thirst. You know what I'm saying? So think about you drinking something that's liquid and it's creating more thirst. All right? So, so some of these things that we've taken on the world is doing the same thing. But we've heard that here at the church before. Let's go to John 5. Did I tell you that already? Okay, verse 30. And for the sake of time, I'm going to read that to amplify. I'm going to read verses 30 to 32. It says, I'm able to do nothing from myself independently of my own accord, but only as I am taught by God and as I get his orders, as I get his orders, the breadcrumbs are our orders. Remember, steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Even as I hear, I judge. Look, I dis- what it means by judges. I decide as I am bidden to decide. As the voice comes to me, so I give decision. So what they're saying is, uh, I'm hearing this voice and it's telling me, hey, go from this breadcrumb to this breadcrumb, right? As I hear, I decide. The word judgment, we, we turn it into something else. It's the decision. I'm, I have a choice to compromise or stay on path. But as I hear from the Holy Spirit, I'm deciding to take on the next breadcrumb and advance to the next breadcrumb. Right? Right? You so as I hear, I decide, but not of my own. I'm not leaning to my own understanding here. Look, it says, even as I hear I judge. OK, so as the voice comes to me, so I give a decision, and my judgment is right. So now he's saying, this, this judgment, my decisions are right, right? Just and righteous. Now, how does he know they're right? Because I do not seek or consult my own will. Look. I don't seek my own will. I'm not consulting with my own will so I know my judgment is right. If I'm seeking my own will and consulting my own will, how do I know I'm making the right decisions? How do I know? I could be clouded, right? It says... uh, It says, I have no desire to do what is pleasing to myself, my own aim, and my own purpose, but only the will and pleasure of the Father who sent me. Verse 31, if I alone testify in my behalf, my testimony is not valid and cannot be worth anything. It says, there is another who testifies concerning me. I know and am certain that his evidence on my behalf is true and valid. Now, Jesus is referencing John here. Look, uh, the uh, King James Version of verse 30 says, I can of my own self do nothing. I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. Look, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. It says there's another that, that bears witness of me. And I know not that, that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. And, of course, he's referencing John. Yeah, to me, that's, that lines up with a uh, uh, scripture we always talk about, Proverbs 27, 2. Let another man praise thee, not with thine own mouth, not with thine own lips. So a lot of times we're, you know, um, uh, we're bearing witness of ourselves. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It says, But he says someone else is is sharing of me. So, so this is powerful because it's saying that my confidence in my steps is because I'm not leaning to my own will. That's my confidence. I'm not, le- is, I'm, not, I'm not leaning to my will or seeking my will. I'm seeking God's will and leaning to his direction. So this, this is how we know that, that we're, remember steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Uh, this is how we know we're on the right path and we're taking the right steps because we're not seeking our own will, right? And we're not um, consulting with our own will, right? Leaning to our own understanding, right? We're, we're uh, acknowledging God in all our ways and he's directing our path, right? And so, so this, is the, this is the key to living a fulfilling life or I like to say it this way, an obedient life, right? See, see. once we discover, which I had to discover in my life, obedience is not optional. See, some of us live at a a place in our life where obedience is optional to us. Like we decide, ah, I might do that. Man, that's, that's deep. I can see that. Wow. I see that, man. That's some interesting revelation. I might decide to do that. I might decide to do that. Ah. I don't believe that, but in some cases, it's not like we don't believe it. We don't even wanna consider it because it's gonna be outside of what? Our own will. <laughs> so, 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 so we don't realize what's causing the chaos in our lives and the craziness in our lives. Uh, we're caught up over here in our own will and, and we keep getting direction to get us back on path. But every time we get the direction to get us back on, back on path, we reject it because it's not lining up with our own will, what we've already committed to. And that's the thing is once you've committed to something, it, your tendency is to defend that position. You know, it's just, it's, you know, not, you, no one's trying to be evil. It's just I've already locked in it. this is my philosophy, and everything that I'm hearing is coming against my philosophy, so I'm not changing it because this is how I roll. And 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 uh, and listen, uh, storms, chaos, craziness, mishaps could be happening. And the, you always hear stubbornness, right? You know, the stubbornness is nah, nah. Well, that ain't got nothing to do with it. That ain't got nothing to do with it. But what it is is, you don't even want to consider it because you may have to do something called change, right? You may have to do. You know, so when we get off course. You correction is saying change to get back in line because, again, what happens is we, we, we got weary and well-doing. So we, you know, we we're moving down the road with our parents or what have you, uh, and things that were happening in our lives that we took for granted. And then as soon as there was one interruption, but we didn't, we didn't sit down and go, what did I do different? What have I exposed myself to secretly? That nobody knows what has corrupted my or threw me off where I would even consider to be off off of this path. Right? We're not going to stop and think that because then we have to take responsibility. Right? And that's, that's difficult for us. This is the thing. We talked about this the other day. When we're in these situations and God is trying to give us these breadcrumbs or redirect us or correct us, he sends us what we know as a mirror. And so, when we look in this mirror, right, and what we're looking for is what God promised. But when we, when we don't see what God says, remember, it's not because he changed it. See, see again, I can look in a mirror now and I can see God's breadcrumbs before me and God's breadcrumbs behind me. And I recognize I'm on the right path. But if I'm off course, I can look in the mirror and I won't see where God told me I was going. I don't see that I'm close there. I don't even see where I'm at. Right? Because I'm out of place. And at that moment, I'm supposed to inquire of the Lord to get back on track. But if it don't line up with our will sometimes, we'll say something's wrong with the mirror. Right? We do that all the time. We look in the mirror and tell ourselves a lie. Right? Instead of looking at, or we'll adjust the mirror to only see what we're pleased with. Not the angle of what we're not pleased with. Right? See, our, mirror, our, our, our mirror's image is the result of our obedience, which would be following the breadcrumbs, or our disobedience. Being off path. So, the, so our mirror's image is a result of our obedience or our disobedience. Our obedience is if we're following the breadcrumbs. Our disobedience is if we're off the path. And and, and if you're off the path, it's not like a, a, a condemnation. It's hey, let's get back, let's get back on path, on path. Let's change. Like let's, like, what'd you say, sweetheart? Change doesn't change until you change, right? And 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 so I read this book a while ago, and uh. I uh, actually did a teaching on it, and, and actually wrote a paper on it. I forgot who I wrote the paper for, but I was uh, in my research. I looked it back up, so I may, I may do a teaching on it again, but it was, it was from the book uh, Who Moved My Cheese? Now, I don't know if you guys ever read the book, but it's not even a big, long book. It's like 20, I think it's like 25 pages, but the whole book is about change, and it's uh, about these, these four characters, Sniff and Scurry and Him and Haw." And so, so, so sniffing, sniffing, scurry. And so, you know, they, there was these mice that 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 like cheese. So they found some cheese, and so they, you know, they was <laughs> chilling. You know, <laughs> we got all this cheese, but, but uh, Sniff and scurry said, okay, yes, we have cheese here, but there's a chance that some, someday the cheese may go away. So we're gonna proactively prepare, prepare for. Uh, Uh, I'm sorry, I was thinking something else. Uh, (laughs) I was thinking this, for some people, it's it's hot. You know what I'm saying? So that's affecting folk a little bit, you know, because the the weather is hot out there. Uh, But anyway, uh, so with uh, Sniff and Scurry, they were proactive. They was like, well, just in case, let's go scout out just in case this this cheese leaves, then we can go get some other cheese down the road, Right. Well, him and Hall was like, man, we good. Cheese ain't going nowhere. You know, we straight. And so uh, they, they, they woke up one day and the cheese was gone. I might not be telling the story exactly. So Sniff and Scurry was like, no problem. They had already scouted out ahead. So one scout and the other one actively moved in that direction. Him and Hall, they, was, they, 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 they woke up the next day. Well, maybe the cheese will come back. Or well, maybe somebody will put some cheese there later. So, it was waiting for somebody else to do something. And I, like, they, they couldn't, uh, I think it was him, uh, but one of the guys just was like, okay, what's going on? Why is my cheese panicked? And all types of stuff. Instead of doing something, he just stood there looking at the spot where cheese was, right? But just, just kind of just got complacent, just took things, wasn't embracing reality. So, then his his partner was like, man, we just can't stay in here, man. We're going to die. Like, we're going to have to go out and find some new cheese. And so, he was like, but I don't know, man. We go out there, something could happen to us. He was like, yeah, but we already know our situation now. We don't know what's out there, and there's this maze. So, they had to go out. They had to be tempted to go out in the maze. So, one of them was like, man, I can't do it. I just got to go out there, and if something happens to me, something happens to me, but I can't stay here. So he he went out, and as he went out, he started to discover things. And every time he discovered something, he wrote on the wall. So so, so every time he got to a new location, he wrote what he discovered. So eventually, obviously the other guy had to leave. And when he went out, as he was going out, the the handwriting on the wall was his breadcrumbs. Because he was wondering, okay, what, what, what did my boy do? And every time he went out, he saw something to help him, to encourage him to keep moving through the maze. But it was the handwriting on the wall. It was the clues that his partner had left him, right? And so in our life, there's handwriting on the wall as we go in this, we, we travel through this maze of our lives. right? Um, and so sometimes we have to recognize the small things that have taken place that will result in the big changes later. We have to recognize the small things that have taken place that will result in the big changes later. All right? So let's look at Luke 16. Yeah, let's let's look at Luke 16, Luke 16. <laughs> I apologize, you guys. I know it's it's a little hot in here, causing some people to struggle. Let's see. Luke 16. I'm in John 16. No, I said Luke 16. I was in John 16. Got to be able to make those adjustments day by day, right? All right, so Luke 16, and we'll start here, verse 10. It says, uh, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in the much. If if therefore you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? It says, uh, and if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you your own? So here you have, you know, of course you have to be faithful in the purpose steps to draw the promise. So, so you have to recognize the small things along the way. The small things are leading up to big changes. And so what happened in the, the, the book Who Moved My Cheese is the, the two guys that left early, they weren't surprised when the cheese was gone because they recognized the small things. They recognized the things that were happening around them that was leading up to the big change. So when the big change came, they were ready to adapt. Well, some people don't spend time recognizing the breadcrumbs or the small things. You know, they kind of just do 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 And so they're shocked when it's time to make a big change. Or if it's something that seems like it's a, it's a uh, um, it's an unfair situation, or uh, it's a disappointment for something they were believing for. Well, that's just you know, that that interruption is saying, "Hey, you, it's time to change." But it was already coming. You ever seen people at the job? But you know, you're in human resources, so they come all the time, walking in, almost as if they don't understand why they lost their job, <laughs> or they don't, or like, and and it's. It's all written. The handwriting's on the wall. All the breadcrumbs was leading up to come to work on time, you know, uh, make this adjustment, be more consistent, stop being lazy. But they're they're going, well, I don't understand. Y'all don't care. You know, they they be going, those people go off the most. Like like the TV show where the person think they can sing and they start cussing people out. They go off the most. And then you sitting there trying to explain to them, like, are you reading the same thing I'm reading? you've had the written warnings. You've had the, you've had the uh, what does it say, so what, what I used to do. So I had the written counseling sessions. I did a couple of those. Then there was a, a, a written warning. Then it was a, uh, well, the way we did it, then it would be like, but each thing would lead to the next thing. Okay, this counseling session, you change. If you don't make the changes, we'll have another one. We have another counseling session. Okay, if you don't make the change, then you'll get a written warning. Okay, if you don't make the change, then we're going to have to suspend you for a couple days. If you don't make the change, then we'll have to suspend you for, I don't know, uh, uh, five period of time Well, we were dealing with a union. All right? And then if, 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 if you don't make the change, then we have to suspend you for a lengthy period of time. Then if you don't make the change, then you are up for termination. We you're dealing with union situations, you know, it's hard to be fired. But if somebody got fired, they would still trip. Like, do you realize you just went through this entire process? All the signs were showing to, you about to lose your job. All the signs were showing to, to, I don't want to have nothing to do with you no more. All the signs were showing to, you know, that person's about to take your position because they're working harder. But, but you know, we're just chilling. Do, 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 right? Not paying attention to, the breadcrumbs. And so this says be faithful in the least, in the little details along the way, right? So, so staying full of faith in the breadcrumb stages. So these little things along the way takes a lot of faith because it seems like, like, you know what, it just seems like it's easy for me to just run up there <laughs> and skip all this. But these little things, are what makes that a sustaining place. If you skip these little things, that becomes a temporary place, even when you arrive. Because all the little things is what helps you to handle what's going to happen when you get there. But the people that are manipulative and try to get around, try to take the path of least resistance, or try to hustle their way around these little details, they, they still arrive at the same destination, only they only stay there temporary. Right? It's, just, it, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's reality. So, this advanced information, these breadcrumbs, this advanced information is preparing you for the trip ahead. This advanced information is preparing you for the trip ahead. And what it is, is God's breadcrumbs are what we call in the Bible, rhema. It's, it's, it's revelation. So, God's breadcrumbs are the rhema that lightens our path, that shows us exactly how to get to what's going to fulfill our life. So you have, uh, you know, when people read through the words, you have logos, which is the written word. It's what a lot of people see. They just read the Bible. That's how I thought. That's just a little black and white words. But, but if, you, if you get deeper, if you look harder, that, that word converts into rhema, where it's not just a regular word you're seeing. It's something that's piercing your soul and it's showing you, it's illuminating a path so clear. He's like, How did I, how, how come I didn't see this before? And that's why you have to dive into that word. It illuminates purpose road in the midst of compromise highway. It illuminates purpose road in the midst of compromise highway. So let's go to John 6. John six sixty three, it says it is the spirit. I'm sorry, I'm going too fast. I'll give you a second to get there. John six sixty three, it says it is the spirit that quickeneth, or makes alive the flesh. Profit of nothing. It says the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So they they quicken, they illuminate you. So in other words, when you when each time you eat of a breadcrumb, each time you pick up a breadcrumb, you pick up and consume it, it gives you life. It gives you, uh, you know, how sometimes you just don't feel like moving forward. Uh, we call it depression. You know, you just feel like, man, I done blew it. No, there's nothing I could do about this now. But every time you pick up that word, it, uh, it's a it's, uh, spirit and life. It gives you more life and it gives you the motivation to go to the next, to pick up the next bear coming, the next bear coming. And before you know it, as we talked about this year, you have momentum, right? But if you stop, look to the left, look to the right, or consume of the world, the world is designed to magnify the negative in your life, to magnify the disappointment in your life. Every time we consume of the world, uh, it could be uh, any level of lust, or, and, and that covers categories, smoking, drinking, all types of things, so it, it, what it does is the setup is it soothes you in the moment, but it magnifies what's depressing you. And so, so, so and that's the job. The job is to not magnify God, but magnify the circumstances. Um, and the thing is, well, when we take on these breadcrumbs, these, the word of God, it gives us life. Life because everything that word touches, it makes alive. It now converts it into supernatural, not just natural. Supernatural, and it helps us to see. See, I'm encouraged about these steps because I can see afar off. But sometimes, when 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 all those breadcrumbs are blurred or almost disappear in the midst of all the chaos and the cloudiness that I've allowed in my life, it's it's hard to be encouraged to keep moving on this path. But it's easier to be pulled into these paths of convenience. Right, because I can't see a far off. Second, second Peter 3, 14. It, you know, it, it, it gives you a list of things that, how we should operate in terms of uh, patience, and uh, we can go there, second, second Peter 3. So God has given us advanced information because he's been trying to show us how to get out of the crazy, how to continue our momentum, how to be fulfilled, and how to even uh, embrace our healing. Some of us have allowed our, our uh, mistakes to cause blindness. He's trying to get us our sight back, get us back on momentum, get us back fulfilled. But, you know, our stubbornness is stealing it from us. It says, he these things. Okay. is second Peter 1, I believe. Yeah, Second Peter one, and it's I've uh, <laughs> realized what I did. He's uh, <laughs> uh, Second Peter one, and it starts at uh, verse three. It says, "According as as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given to us exceeding great." and precious promises. That by these, we might be partakers of his divine nature. Look, and escaped, see, so so his thought is having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So his thought is we've escaped it, not got caught up into it. It says, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, Patience, godliness, and godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, charity, right? Like, so, so, so again, you're, in this particular case, you're, you're, you're on this path, and he's telling you, he's assuming you've escaped corruption, and you're building on, like, you're not just happy that uh, you've escaped lust, but you're being diligent, and you're adding to your faith virtue but you're not just happy with that, you're adding knowledge. But you're not just happy with knowledge, you're adding temperance, self-control. And you're not just happy with that, you're adding patience. And not just with patience, godliness. And not just godliness, brotherly kindness is about others. And verse 8 says, for if these things be in you and abound or stay, so you're not just visiting. It says, they make you that you shall neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. It says, but he that lacketh these things is blind. Go through the list. If he that lacketh any of those things on the list is blind, right, and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from, from his old sin. So, so, so it's hard. If you can't see afar off, you're going to be hopeless. If you can't see outside of your present circumstances, you're going to be depressed and frustrated. There'll be no life in you. Uh, Jeremiah 29, after he says, uh, I know the thoughts that I think towards you to bring you an expected end, verse 13 says, When you seek me, you will find me. When you search for me with all your heart. When you seek me, you'll find me. When you search for me with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, 13. You seek me, you'll find me. When you're looking for, see, so, so, you know, we know the whole Hansel and Gretel story, but the whole breadcrumbs is I'm in search of, I'm trying to find something. So we're trying to find in God's presence, fullness, joy, right hand, pleasures, forevermore. It says, if, if I search with all my heart, am I diligently trying to, to lock in on God's b- breadcrumbs? And it's important because remember, this word is revelation. It brings life to us. It makes us feel alive and mo- and motivated um and th- the word is so powerful it doesn't okay, so what God says to you, what comes in you, what you absorb, is always working. I think you said that the other day, right? you know it' was, uh, uh you said working behind the scenes, right works inside out that's what you said it works and uh but i I think uh um uh Dr. Moeller or Reverend Moeller, I'm not even sure, uh, in that conference we was in, he was talking about it, how like the word is always working, like it's still working. He said it won't return on void, but accomplish what he sent it to do, right? So, but we got to allow ourselves not to be, to stay, uh, to not to be discouraged or distracted. Scripture, excuse me, Scripture says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land, Right? And uh, uh, Sharonda said something last week I thought was powerful. She says, when you're not willing, you're discouraged. She says, when you're not obe- obedient, you're distracted. You, you, you know what I'm saying? So I, I might have said it backwards. You know, discouragement makes you not willing. And distracted makes you not obedient. <laughs> right? And so you got to watch uh, allowing yourself to rest in discouragement. No word, you're going to be discouraged. Because you won't have the life to move forward, right? And so we got to pass these tests during this path. We got to pass the word test. We've talked about this before. Of course, we'll revisit it. I said we'll revisit it. I don't know if the year's almost over. Maybe next year, go back through the test that we go through and go on. But the word test, will you trust the breadcrumbs? The word, will you trust this breadcrumbs that's been laid out for you by God? Or will you lean to your own understanding, right? You know, will we trust the word of God? See, this is thing, we're always tempted to question our steps. As we're going down the path, we always always, ah. Because you hear all this noise. You, you see people look like they're enjoying themselves. And, but you have a path, right? You have to stick to what your path is. You know, and, and you, when you get on this, you say, you know, how can this seemingly impossible reality manifest in my life? That's what we're tempted to say. How can this seemingly impossible reality manifest in my life? And the re, the, 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 to be honest, this is not, this, this path we're on, it's not a matter of calling or feeling or even when we're falling. Uh, This is a demand for for unwavering obedience to all God is showing us. Unwavering obedience to all God is showing us. That's why the scripture says many are called, but few are chosen. Because many are called to get on the path, but few are chosen because very few have the faith and the patience to continue just taking the next best step from here. And the next best step from here, and the next best step from there. Right? And so, so, so we got to challenge ourselves on this path not to lean tall and understanding because God, He's showing he's us. You know, we, we pick up a breadcrumb, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called to His purpose. Hey, 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 the suffering in this presence time are worthy to be compared to glory that shall be revealed to us. Count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this that the Trying to your faith work with patience, that pagans have this perfect work, that you'll be perfect and tired, lacking lack nothing, right? Uh, meditate on the word day and night, do all is written therein. Then shall you make your way prosperous, then shall you have good success. He's constantly giving us breadcrumbs. He's constantly giving us, we just have to eat what we need for that particular day, for that particular moment, for that particular time. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of peace, like, like to bring you an expected end, right? Uh, hey, 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 walk not in the counsel of the God, you know, stand in the way of sin, and nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but your delight shall be in the law of the Lord, and in this law should you meditate day and night. And whatsoever you do, uh, well, your leash shall not wither, whatsoever you do, you shall prosper, right? I know I just summarized it, but y'all yeah, know. Yeah, Psalm 1, 1 through 3, right? But, but he says, hey, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. He's constantly giving us breadcrumbs to stay on course. Right? So we got to consume these breadcrumbs. We got to stay locked in. We got to find our fit. We got to find our place in God. We can't lean to our own understanding. We got to trust the breadcrumbs. We got to trust the, this path God has us on. And I watched this, again, I'm, I'm, I'm younger than some and older than others. But now, being around for 58 years and being walking in this, in, in this well, 20 years in life with you, um, but just walking with the Lord, I'm just like, wow, all we got to do is just trust God. Like things, everything God tells us happens and manifests. Man, we can't look at it the time, our age, like, like for me in some of the things that I was exposed to when I was exposed to them, if I really would embrace them, maybe I could have been further along or what have you, but she used to, my wife says something else today. She was like, well, when I look at my life and the, the, the hurdles, the mishaps, the choices, uh, the, the pains and the heartaches, it's made me who I am. She says, and, and so would I be this version of Melanie without all that happening? And so I told her, I said, well, you know, when you think about it, like even me, I am who I am because of the, the path that I've traveled. And so as much as I, I've said before, it might not even be as accurate to say uh, I'm behind, probably right on on point for what I'm supposed to do in my life. You know what I'm saying? But I just trust God through the process, man. I'm not trying to keep up, I'm not trying to rush up, I'm not trying to get caught up. Um, there's plenty of people that, if you look at how, how people view life, do a tremendous amount more than what I do. <laughs> but hopefully they're doing what they're supposed to do. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. If we can look at percentages, it's, I, well, I can't say because only God could say, but I want to believe I'm, I'm at a high percentage of doing what I'm supposed to do. I want to believe that. God could still be off, still some things I need to do. And that's what I think like, like, we can't keep trying to change the narrative, you know, to excuse our disobedience, excuse our slowfulness, excuse our laziness. We can't, and we got to stop getting offended because we decided to be lazy. You ever had your, your, one of your children decided to be lazy, this, that, and the other, and you kept telling them over and over and over they didn't do it, and then when the consequences came, they got mad? And you say to yourself, like, what are you mad for? Like, you're mad because you didn't handle, you didn't handle business. So, <laughs> what are you mad at me for? Well, I think God's saying the same thing. God's like, you, God, look, oh, God is not mocked. What, what's where we sow if that that's what we're going to reap? Be not weary and well-doing, you'll reap if you faint not. Like he's telling us. And then we get, we reap what we sow and we mad at God. He said, did you, did you read the handwriting on the wall? You're going to reap what you sow. So when you reap what you sow, it should be, hey man, I sowed it. I sold it. You know you, you, you know, you got a business and you got all these people around you and it seems like it's just all about them. And then you going, I don't, know, I don't know what's wrong with these people. Could it be that you're reaping a harvest? Oh, man, they don't do nothing unless somebody tell them to do it and somebody pressure them. Could you be reaping a harvest? Do you have to be pushed to do anything? Have you lived your life where you've created indentured servants? And then when you have people around you that's expecting, hey, I ain't, I, I'm not moving until you, until you serve me. You just read what you sow. It's not, there's some situations we've grown the church. Certain stages, I'm like, yeah, remember that stage? where I would just, I would just show up like, sometimes I would show up just for the word, skip praise and worship. Yeah. You know, I remember that stage. And then I see people show up just for the words, skip praise and worship. I'm like, well, I, that's a harvest. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you, you know, there's certain things I saw in, in the stages of my life. And I was like, okay, that's the process. They're going through a process. You know, you reap what you sow. I can't be upset. But as far as like when I see people faithful, I seen that too. I seen me faithful. Giving all of me for everyone else. I lived that way. And so, so just think about it uh, as you're going through these process, to the breadcrumbs. It's not even condemn nobody. Like we can start, start sowing what you want to reap. Start taking God's word so serious that it's the, your lifeline. You know, like what is it? Uh, uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Like, so I want to live, right? So I want to make sure I'm living by every word that God says, right? I want to follow God's breadcrumbs, his revelation, his rhema, his word. And even though there's things, we all get pulled. Circumstances happen, changes happen. Um, we make mistakes. We, I think we've all made mistakes. But, but that's not a, uh, what, it's not over because we made a mistake, right? So make mistake is we got off course, right? Well, guess what? We can get back on course. We don't have to, you know how when you, you miss that exit, you, you really do wanna hope that you can flip the car around, but you can't. You gotta keep on that wrong path till you find your reroute, right? You said you missed the, the exit the other day. You had to go a whole nother way, come on that road. But, but uh, so if you're on that, uh, in North Carolina, you're on that speed, uh, not speed, yeah. <laughs> I probably called it the wrong thing. Well, <laughs> it's the express line, and you miss your. If you miss the exit there, well, your exit could be next, but you would have to cut through the, uh, the little poles. Well, what are you tempted to do? Well, if I could just cut through these poles, but you can't. You got to what? You got to keep going. I did. If I if you miss the exit for forty five, you got to go all the way down to the city, right? Well, guess what? Sometimes we're missing. The, we're missing. The next step, we missed it, right? So, so we got to go through some things, man. You know, you <laughs> sorry about that. Oops. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. You leave it there. <laughs> I just won't go over there for right now, <laughs> all right? Uh, and you got to go through some things to get back on course. You see what I'm saying? You just had go. You might knock down some things on the <laughs> <laughs> but just to get back on course, Right? But you can't try to get around it, you know? Like, you can't just jump back on course. You gotta go through the process to get back on course. And and it's worth it, because you learn something from that. Like, you learn how to say, hey, hey, like, I got off this course, I see you on this road. Listen, man, I'm gonna tell you right now, I can can tell you how to get back on course, but I wanna let you know, if you do this on the next step, you're gonna get off course again. I did it already, so you only have to go through that. So let me tell you how to stay on course. Right? right, but why am I so urgent and adamant about it? Because I went off course, mm-hmm. right? And I don't want you to go through what I went through. Right. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, all right, that's all for today. Oh, all these this bread <laughs>